Dissonance Media and the Other Stories presents Step into the abyss of After the Gloaming, a gothic fiction podcast that delves into the depths of human emotion. Unyielding love, revenge, internal struggles, and restless souls await you in nine haunting episodes where dread, fear, and rare glimpses of eerie happiness linger. Dare to listen on your favourite podcatcher? After the gloaming beckons, search now, but beware, innocence will be left behind. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories. <laughs> the Emerald Children Written by Daniel Wilcox Narrated by Josh Curran I can't feel my fingers anymore, let alone my feet and toes. The rope they bound me with is uncomfortable, biting into the skin, irritating as though one of the children is rubbing sandpaper furiously against the flesh until the blood begins to spill. Maybe they are. I wouldn't be able to tell. The kids are practically silent, busying themselves like worker bees in a colossal hive. I hadn't even heard them when they'd snuck into the church, pulled the large front doors open and carried me from the pew where I'd been napping. So, maybe not worker bees. Maybe some kind of ant. They're all still at it now, unrelenting. Kids are lucky like that. They have those endless reserves of energy that keep them going far beyond the hours when adults are able to keep up. Come on, come on. I mumble through gritted teeth, feeling sweat break out all over my naked body. The rope is bound tight, but a few hours ago, I found a sharp snag of rot that jutted out behind me, and I'd been soaring away ever since. It's not as easy as they make it look in the films. A quick slash and the hero is free. But I feel like I'm making progress. There's a tingly sensation coming to my fingers as the rope loosens and the blood begins to flow again. In the large cavern below, the thousands of children run their roots in the straight lines that weave along the stony floor. I'm somewhere high up on a ledge, able to overlook it all. 
The walls are lit with thick torches, and there is a roaring waterfall at the cave entrance a few hundred meters to my left, allowing daylight to cast a shimmering blue light all around. No bats though, a little disappointing. The padding of the children's feet beats a steady drum rhythm. On the far wall, across the gaping void, I can make out the outline of colossal paintings. Scratches in the rock that have been darkened and decorated with colour. The drawings each depicting the same thing in strange variations. A thousand small bodies, hunched over in perfect lines. Around the edges, winged demons lord over the little ones and guard them with whips and chains. Some of the small bodies bleeding and falling. In the centre of them all is a colossal eye with a crucifix in the pupil. A man with a beard and a skinny torso strung up to the cross. Guts spilling on the floor. Some kind of sacrifice. In the last, God, I don't know how long it's been since they brought me here. Could be days, could be more. I've been trying to work out what that painting means. I'm no small fruit when it comes to knowledge around ancient cultures. The Greeks, the Mayans and the like, but... This is something that I've never seen before. The all-watching eye guarded by the shapes of bat-like men seems far too mythical for any kind of reality on my part. Yet, here were the children in their neat little lines clutching dark objects in their hands that I can't quite make out from this height, disappearing down a small tunnel in the furthest reaches of the open cavern into God knows where. It's several hours later that I realise that I've fallen asleep again, and I wake with a start. There's a rush of air and the beating of heavy wings in the dark that has fallen with the night. I look down and can just make out the shape of some colossal creature swooping over the heads of the children, none of them paying any attention whatsoever. Heads soaking wet from walking through the waterfall as they march towards the tunnel. The swooping thing screeches. a high-pitched scratching sound that bounces off the cave walls. I follow it as it rises in the air and heads straight towards me, eyes a pinpick of green like two laser pointers in the dark. My hair ripples and I feel the rush of air. It glides inches from my body with a cackle. I can't believe what I'm seeing. It's a man of sorts with a wider-than-average wingspan and two bat-like wings stretching from the tips of his fingers to the bottom of his toes. Another screech calls somewhere in the cave, telling me that there's more than one of them. There's a second where I wonder if this is all part of some strange nightmare. I try to slap myself around the face, but feel the bonds pull me back. I take once more to soaring, even more desperate to find my freedom, desperate to get back to the pastor and pray for the forgiveness of my sins. Sometime later, I feel the rope wearing to a thin thread. A few more rubs against the rock, and I'm free. The rope falls to the floor in pieces. I keep my hands behind my back, not wishing to alert the winged demons whose number has now grown to five. My guess is that their eyes are sharper than mine and they'll be able to see if I suddenly start celebrating my freedom. Now what about my legs? For the first time since I arrive, I turn my attention from the severe drop before me 
away from the curious tip-tap of children silently walking, and look to my left and right. The ledge is maybe a couple foot wide, and tapers to nothingness on my left. On my right, however, I see the ledge thicken, and if I'm not mistaken, the shape of a small opening that might have been the door they carried me through before tying me up. I bide my time, watching for any particular patterns in the demon's movements, but there is none. As the golden light of dawn twinkles off the body of the waterfall, I make my move, keen to get going before one of them comes for me. I've seen them lick their lips as they swoop nearby, taunting me with the updraft of the powerful wings. I shuffle. The rope squeezes around my ankles and I nearly topple. A few stray rocks kick down and clatter loudly off the surface of the wall. A couple of the children turn their heads, then the rest in a ripple effect as I bend my knees and take huge hops towards the small opening. A tunnel, yes, definitely a tunnel now. There's a screech, but not of anger. I hear their wings, but make it to the tunnel and crawl inside as I hear them land on the ledge I had been on moments before. There's a strange sensation of the air pulsing all around me, and I realise that they're using sonar to track me as I disappear into the dark. I'm sweating now. Thick globs of liquid and the rock is rough against my bare skin. I sign the cross on my chest and continue forward. The demons refuse to follow me, but I'm not stupid enough to stay still. I'm twice the size of the children, and I imagine that they know these tunnels better than anyone. All I need to do is keep moving, untie my ankles and my hand touches something smooth and slick. I lose balance and feel my body begin to slide down a sharp gradient. The tunnel twists and turns as small pebbles and stones slash tiny strips into my flesh. I'm heading down, wind rushing through my hair, nothing but darkness ahead. My mouth opens, ready to let out a cry of pain as something sharp slashes a gash straight down my chest. I see a small light appear. It's beautiful. Dazzling. A moment later, I feel a blinding pain as my head hits a rock. Now all I see is stars. I dream of a great emerald eye, swimming in a thick pool of murky water. A ring of crows, swarming and diving at a pit of corpses. The blood spilling, channeling into the mouth of a giant beast with unquenchable thirst. A thousand children skipping in a circle, hands no more than bones of a skeleton as they cry blood and stamp on the bodies, juicing the corpses until all that remains is pulpy human flesh. A wind warmer than an equator summer day tears across the ashen landscape, magnifying the smell of decay until I feel the heat of vomit rise in my throat. A voice calls out in a language I cannot understand. The eye. It all comes back to the eye. I feel myself fidget, tossing and turning. The vision of hellish fury begins to fade with every blink, and I feel the cold of bare rock against my back. 
The familiar feeling of rope is back around my wrists, and for a second, I believe that maybe I'm back on the ledge in the cave. I can't remember the last time I ate. Maybe I've imagined the entire escape and it was all a dream. Until I hear movement beside me, the shuffling of feet. I open my eyes and see the form of dozens of children towering over me. Faces blank, hair thick and long, skin dark with mud and grime, despite the routine cleanse from the waterfall. By my feet is a small obelisk-like structure with two prongs topped on either side. It is decorated in miniature versions of the painting etched on the walls, with ancient runes running along the length of each corner. I feel my pulse quicken. What is this? What are you going to do to me? Let me go! The children are stone-faced. No response. I struggle against the ties. I grunt, I shout, I scream until there's no energy left to give. What do you want? I ask. The answer comes from a deep voice behind me and out of sight. I hear the sound of a winged demon landing. Isn't it obvious? The face of the demon lords above me. Two emerald green eyes bright in the dark. You're our sacrifice to the Great One. Let us bestow upon him the blood of Christ, that the children of the corn may rise again. I am speechless from fright. The children of the corn? The blood of Christ? It's then that I realize that I'm not lying on bare rock. I'm tied flat on a large crucifix, my long brown hair tickling my face. It's not the first time that it's been commented how closely I resemble our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. It's the only time I've ever felt fear from the comparison. The children part as the demon walks around my body, eyes like lamp rays. Several more land behind me and take position around my body. Their smell is overwhelming, like soil mixed with the stale scent of burnt-out barbecue. Tears silently fall down my cheeks. There's a white-hot lightning pain across my body, and I look to see the first demon with a whip in his hand. A red line of blood, perfectly straight, etched down on my naked stomach. Another jolt of pain as the demon to his left copies the whipping. Then the next. Then the next. Slashes crisscross my stomach in a matter of moments, sometimes catching my chin, sometimes catching my leg often catching my genitals, until I feel the warm blood begin to soak over my body and stain the cross. There's a small channel beneath me where the blood collects and is guided towards the obelisk as a gutter channels rain. The instant the blood touches the obelisk's base, the runes begin to glow, the same emerald green of the demon's eyes. It whirls and travels upwards until there's an explosion of light. My eyes burn, but I can't shield them. I must simply watch and suffer as a great green eye appears suspended between the two prongs. And oh, how the demons laugh. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Other Stories. The Emerald Children was written by Daniel Wilcox, narrated by Josh Curran, edited by Carl Hughes and music by Darren Curtis and Sam Robson. So we know you love audio stories, 
but how do you feel about comic books? Because we have just released our first comic book, El Marvo, issue one. It's a post-apocalyptic Luchador story about heroes, good versus evil, and a megalomaniac who goes by the name Socrates. It's wild, wacky, and has a luchador wrestler in a post-apocalyptic future. And you can buy the first issue on our web store at www.hawkandcleaver.com forward slash shop. Once again, a quick thanks to our supporters over at patreon.com forward slash hawkandcleaver for your continued support of the show. If you're at the $5 pledge tier, you will get a free digital download of El Marvo. Because we aim to please you. And uh, we'll, we'll leave it at that. Until next time. 